Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast. At Evolution, we are committed to helping people and Nordics tech organizations realize their potential. Our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals, building trust, and make doing business easier. I'm Alex Robinson from Evolution Recruitment Solutions, and today I am your host. Um, today I'm joined by Mikkel Hecht Hansen, who is the head of BI at Nordisk Film. Fleming Morsh, who is the Chief Data Officer at Dianox, and John Fu, who is a, C- a Senior Consultant at Inspari. Right, and we're here to discuss the future of business intelligence. So before we delve any deeper into this topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. What I'd like to know is who you are, what you do, and what your biggest passion is currently. So uh, Mikkel, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, thanks. Um, hi, Alex. So um, my name is Michael Hansen. I'm the head of BI in uh, Nordisk Film. Nordisk Film is part of a foundation called Egmont, which is the largest entertainment company in Scandinavia. I've been working there for, for 14 years, and my responsibility is to deliver the central data warehouse and uh, business intelligence platform for uh, many different business areas within Nordisk Film. Uh, what I'm working on at the moment is ensuring uh, our user adoption uh, in the different uh, business units we have. Some are very uh, huge enterprise size operations, some are very small, some are project oriented, some are very operational. And my task is to ensure that they have access to all the different uh, data and uh, analytics capabilities and functionalities that they want. Okay, great. Thank you for that, Mikel. And now I'll hand over to Fleming Marsh. Yes, hello, everybody. I'm Fleming Marsh. I'm the Chief Data Officer of Dynox. Dynox, we are, we are a small biotech company where we use and develop new nucleic acid drugs. These are aptamers, and these are molecules which can bind to almost anything else. that could be toxins or, for example, cancer proteins. And we specialized in writing algorithms to generate and model these molecules. And in my daily business, I'm basically developing those algorithms. So I'm, I'm not in the lab, such as my colleagues, for example. I'm writing machine learning models and um, AI technology, which can then model those aptamers. So it's basically DNA, small pieces of DNA, which can then bind to, for example, a toxin in a, in a technology, which can then detect um, something in your bloodstream, for example. Very interesting stuff going on over there at Dianox. Now I'll hand over to you, John. Thanks, Alex. Uh, I'm John. I'm a senior consultant with uh, Inspari, a Danish-based uh, data consultancy working uh, end-to-end with, uh, with data uh, in collaboration with uh, with uh, Danish and international clients. Personally, I am more invested in the front-end side of things. I love to push companies on the capabilities of their employees what are business users, what are analysts uh, capable of doing with the data uh, today, uh, with the tools available, with the data available to them, and work primarily within the the Microsoft uh, tech stack, uh, Power BI, Power Apps Automate, and now Microsoft Fabric is the next big thing. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. 
If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Sounds great. Thank you for that, John. Um, so now that we've established a context to each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. So you all have a question or a statement on what you want to know about the future of BI. As usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reason behind it. So following that, each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So let's start with you, Mikel. Would you like to pose your question and tell us where it came from? Sure, Alex. So... Um... My question is uh, is is actually oriented a little bit against some of the systems that we are integrating into our BI platforms. Um, at least in our company, we come from a situation where most of them were delivered uh, on-site. We also, with a lot of, you could say, internal customization, um, mostly to ensure functionality, but also to ensure that the different systems could actually integrate and talk to each other. Let's say... Uh, ensuring the same metadata. Uh, recent developments and, and things that I can see come come to us in the future is that many of these systems that we are integrating into are moving into a, to a cloud sphere or a cloud setup. They're also becoming uh, software as a service solutions. And that means that a lot of the possibilities of uh, making twists and changes and ensuring that the underlying data is actually uh, correct it's, it's it's a little bit more limited in my point of view it means that most of our systems are becoming a little bit more decentralized and becoming islands that are working in their own small environments of course they are interchanging and uh, sending data through apis and such but for at least from my point of view it's it's becoming a a larger and larger problem that uh, or at least some of the work is being pushed into our area of work to ensure that uh, master data and delivery of data between systems are, uh, are becoming more uh, more our job to ensure uh, that it's correct and it's done timely and, and so on. So I was just wondering whether this is just something we are seeing or how you see this as a, as a problem in, 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 in the future. Okay, great. So um, I'll hand over to Fleming to answer this one first. Yeah. Uh, from from my perspective, also with my background, I haven't mentioned that before, but I also did a lot of consulting uh, on, on cloud services, actually. Yeah. I think there, there are actually, from my experience, there are a lot of APIs and a lot of software solutions you can actually host on-premise and on the cloud. That that hints to towards your question. So you can actually easily combine those. You just need a bit more technical skill, and for the end user, you can make it available on both sides. In my eyes, so I think you can either have hybrid solutions or you can uh, you can basically choose. And running it on cloud systems is is really a, a very good option, I think, because it, it saves a lot of costs for for most of the users. Okay, great. Thank you for that, Fleming. Um, I'll now hand it over to you, John, if you share your perspective on this. Sure. I, I love this question because because I think it touches on 
a very, very central dilemma that almost any company faces today, and that is that of, of centralizing versus decentralizing their, their data work. And, and uh, frankly, I think they can coexist, but, 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 but doing so is obviously difficult, right? And I'm uh, truly torn myself between uh, centralizing and decentralizing as, as the preferred uh, modus operandi, so to say. Um, I think there's a lot of value in the centralized data warehouse and one source of truth that you can derive from that. But I also think that coming or taking the perspective of the, of the end user, the business user, um, you are often waiting around for centralized efforts to mature or to uh, accommodate uh, bus local business needs. Whereas if you, in some department in the business, you've implemented a tool that comes with a built-in reporting solution or uh, whatever uh, it is, uh, functionality that cannot be customized, but it, it, it gives you maybe what you need in your department, uh, challenging the notion of the centralized uh, BI uh, is that that kind of, of of challenge is more so a challenge for the guys who want to be in control for IT, the ones who want to centralize everything. It's not a problem for the business users. The business users love that their CRM tool has its own reporting. They know the interface. They can go and find everything they need in seconds. Uh, the IT guy hates it because maybe whenever they take that data, it's either time consuming to do it and when things change uh, there's additional maintenance cost and upkeep and maybe when those numbers are eventually pushed out into centralized bi reports the business users find that the numbers don't match because something happens along the way and while it might not be that the numbers are not correct they are maybe just being filtered in a way that the business user does not understand so i think it's a true dilemma between uh centralizing versus decentralizing and or you may call it enterprise bi and self-service bi to some extent whereas if we're talking these uh these uh, pre-cooked solutions is that self-service bi it's probably not self-service bi but it's le at least it's self-service insights uh or, or or something along those lines so i think it's a really interesting uh topic and uh, i don't have a great uh solution to it but i, I think it's worth uh, discussing for sure Okay, great. Thank you very much for that, John. So handing back over to Mikhail now. Yeah, thanks for your for your points, and I, I wholly agree with you, Fleming. Of course, it's 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 possible to build the the infrastructure and the architecture to have this these things uh, running. Um, and to your point, uh, John, I I I don't think there is a solution as such. As if you also say, this is not something that has a an answer. I, I just think it's a it's a evolving thing, and I see we're going into a to to a period now where things are, are a little bit more desegregated. I think it's, it's as you say we we also need maybe to to take into review whether this one truth uh, centralized uh, platform is actually something that uh, that that is in, that is viable uh, at least seen from a business user point of view because they can't wait to tomorrow for all the things to be transformed and turned into uh, to, uh, to, uh, to 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 new data uh, so for us it's it, it will also be a discussion we need to take with our centralized IT and our business users saying to them please use the platforms please use the data but uh, be aware that sometimes uh, 
it's it's coming from different uh, systems. As you also say, some of it it's also commercialized within the internal systems, and that's where people should go and find the answers right now, and then use uh, other systems to solve the more complex analysis tomorrow. Uh, I'll hand back over to you, though, John. You look like you've got something to say. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just, uh, yeah, I didn't want to discredit the notion of centralized BI at all because you're you're hitting the hitting it right on the head here, right? When you're saying that uh, occasionally you need to to cross the borders of different systems, right? And as soon as you need insights from two systems at once, then uh, the 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 true value of the centralized system starts coming to its right. Uh, so I definitely think that there is still a case for that, and the the, the good question is how 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 do you navigate that in the future? Uh, I think that's uh, that's uh, right on the head, Miguel. Okay, and over to you, Fleming. You like a man with something to say? Yeah, exactly. Uh, talking about like decentralization versus centralization, there's also a huge security issue if you decentralize everything and everybody has access to everything. At least it's it's very hard to manage. So that's why from like a, a very technical perspective, implementing everything as a, like a data warehouse or like writing these algorithms on the, uh, for those systems, it's, it's really challenging to give access to the right people at the right time and to remove it quickly if, if needed, right? If you, if you have a decentralized and everybody basically has a, a local a downloaded copy of the data set. Back over to you, Mikhail. Yeah, just uh, another example is uh, when you mix data from 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 several systems, we can also come into a situation where we're actually utilizing data that we're not supposed to use in that context. You know, like GDPR related uh, uh, GDPR data that we suddenly use for something that was not actually within the uh, the 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 rights that we came that we came that we gave. Uh, got from the from the from the uh, customers in the first place so uh, yeah there's a lot of dilemmas here to to look into yeah definitely um, i think that was uh, some interesting insights there so um, i suppose we all have to move on to the next question great uh, so fleming this one comes from you so do you want to pose your question to the panel and tell us where it's come from definitely I was wondering uh, how we will integrate artificial intelligence and machine learning um, in particular um, into business intelligence, because we, we can see there's a huge surge of, um, or at least a huge hype of um, AI models coming up, popping up here and there. And um, there's a few companies actually only developing those bigger models because it requires lots of resources. And then there's, there's a question of like, how will these services essentially or these models be integrated in existing applications and we, we can see um, companies such as Microsoft, uh, they're working very closely with OpenAI, um, implementing, for example, these models into tools such as their search engine Bing, or they they now build something called Copilot, which will be like a personal AI assistant, which can help, right? And they will definitely implement it in the Power BI, for example, or Power Apps, uh, Excel. I'm pretty sure there will, there will soon be a button saying, hey, uh, how can I help you? You're muted, Alex. Okay, great. So we'll um, start with you on that one, John. I think this is a really interesting question, Fleming, and I'm happy you brought up Microsoft because that's kind of uh, in my my uh, 
tool stack as well, right? Uh, I work mostly with the the Power Platform, Power BI, uh, Power Apps, Power Automate, and and Copilots uh, will revolutionize the way that uh, that business users, that data analysts, that developers are able to uh, build solutions on the fly. It's already available, Copilot, for for some of these products. You can already today describe an app that you would like to build based on data that's stored in 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 your environment. Um, and what I'm more excited about and what's coming are the things, especially on Power BI. I think Power BI is also the more popular of the tools, but uh, the functionality that Microsoft is promising here is something along the lines of if you're looking at a report and you uh, all of a sudden think of a question or you see something that you want to dive deeper into, you could describe this question to Power BI and it will create an entire new page of the report with uh, explaining factors trying to uh, help you understand the development that you're seeing. And I think that's game changing because frankly, there's been Q&A uh, AI driven functionality in uh, business intelligence reporting tools for years, but they are all really, really bad. <laughs> and and uh, I, I think that we're finally seeing AI uh, reaching a point of maturity where people are starting to find it useful. And I think that's uh, the kicker here. It's been it's been in these tools for years, but we're finally seeing uh, the technology being applied by the end users, and it's no longer just a keyword being thrown around by the salespeople. So I think it is definitely like ChatGPT, OpenAI's models have been all of a sudden adopted by the masses. Uh, I, th I think we'll see the same within uh, the world of, of BI as well. Uh, well, I mean, we are seeing it, frankly. Right, I'm handing over to you on that one, Mikhail. Uh, that's a very, very good question. And uh, please stop me if I uh, start ranting on, but because it's something that I'm finding very, very interesting at the moment. Um, well, first of all, um, I think all the different BI platforms that we're working with within, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's the Google, whether it's Click or whatever it is, if they do not have an offering pretty soon that can integrate AI in some way or form into your BI platform, you will be out of the market fairly soon. Because as Jonas saying, this is this is going to be in each and every application that any one of us are using. And actually the biggest Revolution is is not going to be within our uh, analytics uh, platforms. It will be within, uh, you could say, daily apps like Excel and Word and Mail and Teams and whatever people are using. That that would be the first pro productivity search that I see where AI will play a, a huge role. Uh, the copilot thing will evolve into, I think, every system. And also, um, I believe that at least, as uh, Jonas saying, generative AI will, in some way or form, in the near future, uh, revolutionize the BI platforms in, in, entirely, making them into a uh, conversational uh, tool that you can uh, you, 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 you can type questions to, and then it will generate the uh, insights and the reports that you actually uh, want. So. The way that we are today are, are building our data platforms, it will be under huge uh, pressure for development in order to uh, to be able to uh, have data available and also uh, 
be capable of uh, of delivering the the different data that we're using. The, the final point, and I'll I'll stop now, is um, uh, I hope that uh, both Microsoft and Google will be uh, better at uh, telling us as developers which of these different models that we should use, because it's always a matter of. Uh, the, the the costs and the, the complexity of these models they don't always need to be the most complex and the most uh, like G, uh, uh, chat gbt 4.0 or bard or something like that you could use simpler models that you can uh, have running also on on-site uh, services that can provide many of these uh, daily operational uh, things so the this will change our world i'm i'm pretty sure and uh, it'll be a very uh, and it will put huge pressure on many of us. Uh, yeah. Okay, thank you for that, Michaela. Handing over to Fleming. I was I was just wondering, um, working with these models myself and uh, coding these uh, some AI models, machine learning models in general, it's like when everybody who's who's not developing those models themselves and maybe a company just doesn't have the capabilities of like running these big computers. Like then you then you would use a, a service from Microsoft or from Google, but there are only a few services available, and they're integrated in these software packages, and everybody's using the same package. So if you don't get the on-premise offline version for a huge corporation, which you, where you can train on your own data, you you're giving up your data, and essentially you you're creating more and more noise for others, and then you will use their noise as well in your reports. So will we all be writing the same reports without thinking? Okay, um, so I'll just hand it back over to John. I feel free to let Mikkel uh, go for that one first. Of course, go ahead, Mikkel. Well, you, 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 you point to a very important thing, uh, Fleming, is that uh, our our vendors need to be able to give us enterprise-ready models, uh, secure, uh, small secure models that we can train on that are not uh, publicly available for uh, the rest of our friends and competitors in in in, in the market uh, so uh, of course uh, if this is going to run and also if any of these these uh, good ideas and uh, you know tests and uh, things we have uh, right now if, if, if they are going to be available and also be capable of running in production and also be scalable enough they, they we need other models and we need also, sometimes simpler models that are enterprise ready. I know Microsoft is working on this very much. I know Google is all is already capable of delivering small enterprise closed, you say, test models that you can have uh, running on your own uh, on your own platform that you could then integrate into your to to your architecture. John? Yeah, I, I think an important uh, distinction here is also the discussion of uh, AI as replacement versus AI as enhancement, right? Where uh, I, th I think your your question here, Fleming, surely uh, is uh, is uh, valid uh, regardless of of the context here, um, but especially for for the fully automated uh, AI solutions, right? Where you're uh, expecting to fully replace an existing process or an existing task with an AI answer. Uh, that's where you run the risk of uh, just repeating everybody else's work, so to say, right? But I think where I personally see the largest potential gain here is in in, in personal productivity gains or in 
using uh, AI as your extension, as your extended arm, right? And, and helping you whatever, draft up a paper and edit it or draft up a business uh, automation process and fine tune it, uh, whatever it might be. Yeah. I think like, okay, for in the, in the, the, sh in the next few years, maybe that's going to be enhancement. But in the future, I see especially BI being completely automated. It's much easier to imagine you, you have to create this financial dashboard, like some kind of report, right? You, you plug in your, your model, you just say, okay, create a report related to, I don't know, the, the stocks of competitors and so on. It will just draw information from the internet, like compile some kind of report looking at risks in the market trends, wars in certain regions, uh, I don't know, financial stability, instability, um, certain crises, and it will just do it for you. But if it, the system does it for everybody, I still see like that there, we really must ensure that there's enough opinions because I don't think we will be writing these reports ourselves anymore. There will just be a few people really code these models and a few reports. The rest, they will be reading them. Okay, back over to you, Mikhail. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking we should also consider, and I, I, I know this is, uh, if we go into a fully, uh, you would say, automated uh, BI reporting setup where everything is generated upon request or upon prompts, I know one uh, one big uh, factor that will come in is that I know that a lot of companies would like to do, you could say, guided reporting, where they say you need to focus on these things and you need to look at it in this specific order and this way. So there will still be a role for, for you could say, uh, BI that we know today. Uh, it's more in the investigative or in the more, you could say, self-service BI that I see a role for the generative AI uh, thing. Uh, for the enhancement AI, uh, I really hope that people understand that it, it's 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 really important that they have the competences also in their own in in-house to uh, sort of choose develop and uh, and uh, uh, challenge the these different models that they're using i see some companies for instance also click is 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 uh, delivering a a solution where 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 the system chooses the model for you spe specified on the best statistical fit which is not always the right way of doing these things if it's decision supporting that you would like to do. So it's also important, uh, as you say, what what kind of a uh, role AI is playing. Well, it will also be very important for us as BI departments to have the right competences in-house to uh, sort of choose and uh, deliver these uh, these new models. What are your thoughts on that, John? I think uh, I think Miguel is right that there will still be uh, a uh, a spot for the BI developer or and 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 a need for human intervention. But I also think that Fleming has a point that I mean we almost can't comprehend the capabilities of AI even when we just look three five years ahead. Right, uh, things are moving so fast that what we I, I might say right now, my, 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 my gut tells me that sure, you could automate, fully automate the creation of standard financial reporting. 
and that might work. But I also know that uh, what the BI consultants are hired for these days is not building financial reports. It's building really complex analytical engines that allow you to do data write back and other kinds of automations directly from within your Power BI or Tableau dashboard as well. Uh, and it's hard for me to to uh, comprehend how would AI be able to automate that. And even while I'm articulating those words, I also realize that, well, five years from now, you know, <laughs> you probably can automate that as well. Uh, so so uh, I, I think I'm optimistic for AI uh, in, in the sense that I think it will be able to deliver on, on uh, things that we can't even comprehend today. And I'm optimistic on behalf of the data professionals working with data today in the sense that I don't ever think they'll be written completely out of the equation uh, because human intervention will probably still be needed to some extent along along the way, as Mikkel is talking about with guided analytics and stuff like that. Back over to you, Fleming. You're completely right. I, I was not saying let's get rid of the humans. I'm, I'm a human myself. Uh, so, of course, it is it is important, and we also we we must make sure that we we're still in the picture, and we I also believe that we will be. My my point was more, if we if we all opt in for having only one solution for for everybody for all enterprises and so on, we might have the risk that we we just write the software in a certain way that specific specifically these tasks are simply automated because the company wants it to be automated. Mm. In general, yeah, but you're also right with the point saying, okay, we'll be more going to be advisors um, analyzing it and seeing it from a kind of from an eagle eye perspective and, and validating that this was actually a good report or not just some some kind of noise drawn from a, a Gaussian distribution, which is basically what these models do in some cases. I think uh, I think that's uh, that a really important. Uh, consideration here is is exactly what you're saying that the use of AI may also lead to a a loss of new information or new practices being shared. Right? I think uh, one of my favorite examples. I don't remember the numbers, but I remember reading about how the uh, number of articles on uh, Stack Overflow dropped <laughs> this year uh, after the introduction of of uh, the AI models that that sort of came out uh, in the last year. Right. Um, and, and one could could fear that uh, that new practices simply won't evolve if our uh, search engine of choice is replaced by uh, by AI that uh, that cannot invent new uh, techniques, right? And I think that a true challenge for AI in the future will be uh, whether AI is able to to learn new things on its own uh, without a human uh, contribution. Uh, because otherwise it will it, it will not be able to suffice as a tool for uh, searching uh, search, searching out new answers in the future if, if there's no feeding new knowledge right yeah. great um, again some very interesting insights there so I suppose um, moving on to John and your question um, so John tell us what your question is and where it comes from and then we'll open it to the floor yeah, I think it's great timing to to talk about uh, my question here because we've already danced around it. Uh, I think the, the the question here, which uh, in its uh, form was, what capabilities will be needed from BI developers uh, and business users working with data in the future, uh, stemmed exactly from a 
uh well i don't know I, I almost feeling overwhelmed with the tasks that that i as a consultant and and see with with customers that they feel they are faced with as data professionals they uh within the past year or two being bombarded with requirements or talks about ai entering their their sphere and and what will that mean for uh, their data work in the future they are afraid of being replaced but also they want to reap the benefits AI is one thing. Another is uh, talking about stuff like uh, I mentioned before, how uh, you may today enhance business intelligence reports with uh, other uh, functionality for automation or write-back capabilities or extensions of all kinds of stuff. You are integrating uh, business intelligence uh, reports inside of CRM systems and inside of uh, support uh, case systems and vice versa. And these integrations are just exploding the requirements of data workers today. So I was really curious to hear your guys' perspective on uh, how you think the 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 uh, the, the skill set of, of data professionals in the future uh, uh, will uh, will evolve and and uh, on the other side uh, business users as well who are maybe not data professionals I think both sides of that is uh, is really interesting to to have a closer look at. Okay, Grace, we'll hand over to Mikhail first for this one. Yeah, that's a great question, uh, and I know at least from my organization one of the things that I that I hear. And here again and again is how do we ensure that people are data literate? And then what do you mean by data lit literate? Yeah. Data literacy. I think uh, if we look at our own departments first, what can we do in our at, at our own uh, point of view? I think we need to be even better at understanding the the business processes. That maybe sound a little bit counterintuitive, but I think as systems are evolving, the 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 the, the competences and, and capabilities for us it will be to even more understand how business processes can be enhanced and uh, supported by, uh, for instance, AI and some of the other capabilities that that we have because technology is evolving so fast and uh, will be able to deliver almost. Uh, you know, on processes and functionalities that we cannot even see today, and I think it'll be even 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 more easier in in the future uh, using uh, AI or generative AI to sort of de deliver the coding. So it's not that much of a technical thing. I think we we need to be even better at understanding the business that we're actually supporting, in order to uh, to ensure that the processes are running even more 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 smoothly. And for the users. Well, they need as as much as we do to to uh, to be able to adapt to uh, to uh, to new circumstances and also be uh, be ready to uh, to change the way of of working to ensure that we can deliver some of these new uh, new new found uh, processes uh, deliver. Okay, back over to you there, John. It's just a short follow-up for, for, for you there, Miguel. Um was just curious to hear your perspective on, on uh, whether you think that, well, given that you say that, that business acumen, business knowledge almost will be the most valuable resource, it sounds like, if, if, uh, if you think that we will see business users being transformed into a role that involves uh, more data, more so than the other way around, or if that is even a viable option, uh, Will there be a need for the data professional if the business user who already has all that business knowledge can just be empowered to lift whatever tasks are there for them? 
Go ahead, Mikel. Yeah, I, I myself is it, it, a strong believer that uh, uh, that you could say that uh, much of these uh, things are actually uh, better served by people within the business. You could call them champions, you could call them senior analysts, you could call them whatever. So uh, at least at our company, we have uh, we have uh, organized us in a in a way that we are offering the the, the hardcore technical skills and the the use adoption and the the upskilling. But uh, hopefully, uh, and we see it in uh, more and more in our uh, in our business units, the actual development and new ideas and, and new things are coming from from people within the business themselves because, of course, they know the business. Okay, I'm interested to hear your take on this one, Fleming. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe you have to be well-read. In the, in very short sentence, you, you have to have a, a very broad knowledge base to to be able to compete also with the AI and with other developers. If you're now thinking you're a consultant, right, you want to get more projects. Because just relying on the same system everybody else is using will not give you any advantage. You will just reiterate through the same things over and over again. But being creative and just just reading, I don't know, we, we talked about history before, just having some kind of broader perspective and then putting that into into play when you're when you're doing your advisory, when you're like file, filing reports and so on. You might as a as a human, we we're very good in also finding patterns and being creative about things. That can definitely be an advantage, especially in the in the short to intermediate uh, time span. Because I don't think that we will have an almighty computer um, in the, the next few years, but maybe maybe in the future. But it's always good to do something which is maybe not what everybody else is doing. So when everybody else is just generating things without reading it often, you can just read and sometimes turn off the computer. Okay, thank you very much for that, Fleming. No one no other takes on this go ahead john i uh, just to to elaborate slightly i think i think that another another important uh, consideration here is well you call it data literacy Miguel. i think another uh, take on it is data maturity right that uh, no two companies are the same when it comes to how they are able to work with data and just the introduction of these new uh, possibilities does not necessarily mean that each and every company will uh, have to take it in order to to use their data for something sensible. I think you talk, Fleming, about making an advantage out of it. I think for for many companies still, data work is is a concern of not being at a disadvantage still. Uh, the, the, the maturity level of most companies today is still that of not being able to, to tell the truth on their sales numbers from the past week. Uh, or at least maybe there's a timing issue, so they're not able to do so until a month from now. Um, and I and I and I think that that just getting those kinds of things up to speed is also a, a competency task that is still rapidly evolving. And I think uh, I'm not sure if if, if it has truly shifted from uh, a demand for analysts to a demand for engineers these days. But I mean, I've never seen a demand for engineers as intense as today. Uh, everybody wants to get more timely data of better quality and better reliability just so they're able to at least reach that, let's call it the bare minimum of reporting, which companies are not even at yet. And then there is the odd one out who's able to actually produce 
proper prediction models or something on top of it uh, uh, and that's you know before even talking about prescription which i guess everybody's hoping that ai will also help push right so i think that's that's at least a valid consideration yeah absolutely it, it i i agree with that that not every company is at the, at the same level but we we know at least i was assuming that we we have some kind of system you can use like the the co-pilot we, we discussed before briefly, where you just say, okay, now we, we have plug and play. We use our, our all our data sets. We just feed them into that system and we get everything out. And then to, to be at an advantage, you have to know something the system doesn't know already, right? And then my, my point is, is just, it's good to do something counterintuitive sometimes to kind of get a, a fresh fresh take and uh, and see it from from a different perspective that can definitely help you also even with like finances and so on i strongly believe that because we, we can see that still predictions are often varying a lot if you you just put some statistical measure on it you will see there's a huge spread and even though then it's often wrong just try to predict stock markets as an example um it's it's, it's very difficult it's actually i don't think it's yeah it, it's, it's often incorrect at least so that's it's also what a lot of people do is they actually they check out what has been done, um, what's the current sentiment in society and so on, right? It's important to know that. Over to you, Mikael. I, I, I was just thinking about what you said, uh, also, Jon, about the data maturity. Uh, I, I believe there's a lot of companies that maybe believe they are uh, further down the maturity curve than what they actually are. And uh, at, at least my experience is that uh, if you want to move people down or up, you could say, the the maturity curve, most of the work is actually done in the not so glamorous uh, 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 work of uh, ensuring that your data is actually capable of, uh, of, uh, of, of producing some of the insights that you have. And I also think, Fleming, you had a very good point is that uh, let's hope that this automation and stuff do doesn't make us lazy. We need to to be uh, we, we need to be uh, curious. We need to uh, to uh, to test and to 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 make new experiments. That's that's at least uh, one way of ensuring that your company is, is not slowly uh, stagnating. So it that should be a very integral part of what we do, and also make quick fail fast if we try some some experiments so uh, yeah that's just a couple of points yeah i think that uh, there's no doubt that uh, that the capability at least of of bi data professionals uh, to today will will have to shift right and and many of the things we've talked about so far has been uh, also, do, during the AI discussion, has been concerned with let's say the front end of things, right? But as you right, rightly say, Miguel, a lot of the stuff that even enables this stuff is uh, lives in the back end, and and what happens with the data before it's pushed to the analyst or or whoever might be the ones trying to derive insight uh, from from the data. But truly, I think that that uh, the the back end side of things is going through an equal kind of revolution right now, where at least. Uh, uh, integrations between systems are being empowered by generative AI helping with writing code or whatever it might be. And maybe, who knows, maybe in the future, all you need to integrate HubSpot to your data warehouse is uh, telling a robot to build the integration and then it happens, right? Uh, so so I think uh, in my my 
uh, humble. Uh, I, I mean, I, I feel quite humbled by by the, the amount of uh, requirements that data professionals are being faced with today. And I think that if there's one thing that that you you need to, it's it's to stay open minded, right, and uh, allow yourself to to be curious on everything from prompt engineering to uh, whatever other tools are available to to help set you apart. As you're talking about Fleming, I think you both have have really great points uh, on that end. Okay, great. Um, before we end the podcast today, I'd just like to say thanks so much to all our guests for sharing the thoughts. Uh, one more time, they have been Mikkel Hecht Hansen, Head of BI at Nordisk Film, Fleming Morsch, Chief Data Officer at Dianos, and John Fu, Senior Consultant at Inspari. If you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I'm Alex Robinson. You can find me on LinkedIn or email me at alex.robinson at evolution-nordics.com or visit us at evolutionjobs.com forward slash UK forward slash Nordics forward slash. Thanks again to all our guests and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.